In the name of the great Mother Divine, who comes as a goddess within all forms, we call your name, Iyamu, Ajay, Osharanga, Mother Creator, Nut, Ma'at, Aset, Serket, Sekhmet, Heteru of Timit, Nana Barutu, Primordial Mother of the Yoruba, Mamiwata, Nane Efi, Nana Tuzwa, Mamitita, Abenatita, Asaseya of the Akan, Abrewa, Primordial Mother of the Khan, Oshun, Oya, Oba, Yemoya of the Yoruba, Allah of the Evil People, Minona, Malu, Subadu of the Dahomey, Diviza of the Shona, Pombagira of South America, Mela of Zimbabwe, Noah of the Mende, Zimbabwe Moana Warefe, Inkosadana of the Zulu, the Shekinah, Holy Spirit, Mary the Mother, Mary the Tower of the Hebrews, Kali, Deva, Durga, Amma, Lakshmi of Indus Kush, in the spirit of our ancestral grandmothers, we call your name. Nzinga, Queen Mother of Angola, Ya'asantewa, Queen Warrior of the Ashanti Nation, Nefertari of Kemet, Nandi, Mother of Shaka, Makeda, Queen of Sheba, Exception of Kemet, Tia of Nubia, Come Forth Mother from the Americas, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Madame C. Day Walker, Mary McLeod Bethune, Laura Neal Hurston, Rosa Parks, Harriet Jacob, Phyllis Beatty, Ida B. Wells. We call on you today to borrow your wisdom, your knowledge, your courage, your power, your beauty, your truth, and your life. Let the mothers, the grandmothers return. We need you. On this day, as a collective of women invoke your power, we are seeds of your seeds. Our wounds are from your wounds. We nurture from your breast of life. We bathe in your loving grace. We sing in your voices. We pray with your faith. We mother our children as you have mothered us. Open our eyes, great mother, to have eyes to see. Open our ears to have ears to hear. Open our hearts for true love of ourselves and others. We give, we give thanks, mother. We give thanks for your DNA. We give thanks for your birth, your creation, your earth, where we stand. We honor you in our dreams, in our waking state. You, the mother of all creation, the queen of queens, the warrior goddesses, the portable desert reapers, the crossroad guardians, the love weavers, the creatrix, the matrix, master, mata, mother, shot, ashe. giving many thanks and blessings. Thank you all for joining Soul Tree Conversations. My name is Nefbet Nefernatatira, and today is um, a bit of a special conversation. I'm going to be speaking with my mother, and for her request, she, um, <laughs> she's kind of uh, bogarting today's session and, and follow up to not only my birthday just recently passed, but follow up to me beginning this process of podcasting and um, just my own personal journey and growth and development through healing and understanding what that means for myself and how I'm expressing it with other people. So um, I am excited to hear her questions and have her on here today. I don't know what she's going to be after me. But this is a follow-up to the first podcast, um, The Wound is Where the Light Enters You. So, hey, Molly. Hey. Hi. How are you? 
I'm outstanding. How are you, lovely? I'm well. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I heard that lovely intro. Yes. That is um something that I appreciate doing and enjoy doing is giving reverence to our ancestors. So today I was like, let me do our uh, call to our mothers, all of the, all of the divine mothers, the, our earthly mothers and our spiritual mothers, because I'm having my mommy on, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what's <laughs> <laughs> I have you called it forth today. You said I bogarted this day. You said oh. so what's up. I didn't necessarily bogart it, but I thought it was an awesome opportunity um, since you just turned 36. And in you turning 36, I was reflecting as your mom, like, wow, I wonder what does it feel like to become Kyra? As I was trying to prepare, like, what do I give her? What do I say? How do I honor her? We're in this whole social media era where, you know, everything is external. And for me, it's as much like you, private, intimate. And so therefore, I'm like, hmm, how do I honor her in the way that I feel like it reflects her? Because this is her Earth Day, her birthday, her time. And so that's why I was like, let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation because, yes, I'm your mother. I was the vehicle that got you here. Um, however, I want to know, what is it like to become Kyra at 36? That's my first question. Okay, I'm like, Dad, you don't gotta keep putting my number up there like that. But it's okay. <laughs> 36 is an amazing number. You said 36 like 5,000 times. No, I'm kidding. Um, that's a that's a good question. And and first, I'm gonna say, Mommy, thank you for your your usage of the word of honoring me. That's that's awesome as my mom for you to um to say that because I feel like what I what I am working to do is to honor you as my mother as well as you know everybody in our family um and just not just just not just myself but you also so um how does it feel to be at this time right now coming into 36 um know I guess it you know it feels it feels grounded I could say that I probably feel more grounded than I have any other birthday earth day whatever you want to call it um and just acknowledging the mentality and the observance that I have now at this stage of my life versus maybe you know other perceptions or perspectives that I have had um growing up but yeah I would mostly say the word is very grounded very um stable and exciting within unexpected like without expectation you know like I feel excited that I don't know what's going to be happening next and I kind of have relinquished a lot of control trying to figure out what my next step is going to be so I think that hopefully that answers does that answer your question kind of maybe 
Well, there is no right or wrong question because the question is, you know, what does it, you know, what does it feel like to become Kyra? And if Kyra is expressing this in a way that she's grounded, she feels, you know, you know, I'm going to stay with that. You said a couple other words, but I'm going to stay with grounded because grounded is the one that you gravitated to first. Um, and so I think that's amazing. And it's interesting how you say you're trying not to relinquish control because, hmm, uh, I can remember, and we were talking about this the other day, which kind of prompted the conversation of me wanting to have with you today, is I can remember you from a little girl always kind of being very clear. <laughs> and I don't know if I would say it was control, but I just think that you were very conscious even at an early age, at the age of four, you telling me, maybe it was three, no, it was four, uh, telling me that you came, you chose me as your mommy, you came for me. And I thought that was just kind of like, hmm, okay, where did she get this language from? Um, but all right, thanks for choosing me and thanks for coming for me. And so, you know, I just remember moments like that of you being so astute and so aware of things in your your language was so mature uh, and intentional. Um, you didn't joke around about it. You telling me right before coming into your teen years as back in the day, or even still now for some, uh, when you wanna earn allowances. <laughs> and you were very clear on having a conversation with me, almost like a meeting. Uh, <laughs> being in control of your allowance and how you were going to spend, you know, or earn your money was that no matter what you do, mommy, I don't need that kind of money. I don't need that much money. I don't want to babysit. Don't ever give me a babysitting job because I don't want to babysit. I don't need that much money for my allowance. So you were very clear that you did not want to babysit. Or did you want to have children? Because you made it clear to me that you were not going to have children, but my son would give, your brother would give me children. Not to worry, he would take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's funny that you are saying, you know, relinquishing control of like, you know, what's gonna happen and being at a place feeling grounded and being excited about, you know, not knowing where you're going and what's gonna happen. So when I say that to you, um, when you think about that, what do you what, what do you take away from that? Um, that's funny as hell to me, number one, because <laughs> well, I didn't know I didn't know that I had told you before. Like, you know, I you know you're my mama, right? That was like <laughs> like I said, I you know I I was walking down the line and I was like, I'll take that one. <laughs> I'll come to her. Exactly. That. So that's kind of cool. Um, no, I, I think like I remember having that conversation with you about the babysit, and, and I was just like, man, why she always, why she always volunteering me to babysit somebody's kids? Like you don't even know if I like that kid, you know? <laughs> so for me, it was like, whoa, whoa, lady, talk your great first lady. Let's let's talk about this, you know? I can't babysit that kid. I, I think I knew and understood my patient level that babysitting was just not something that I was able to do at that at that time, you know. I know that, that was like, that's like a very um, 
cliche job for teenagers to have is a babysitter, but that was not for me. Not, I, I could probably do that now, but at that time, I was like, nope. I think that you know, I wasn't thinking about children in any capacity. So even for me to say at that time, like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good on having kids. Like, it just was not a part of my um, my dream board, if that's what you want to put. Like, you know, my dream board was never like, I need to get married and have kids. Like, it was never that. Like, I was not planning my wedding at a young age. I was just thinking about what I came here to do <laughs> and how was I going to do it. You know what I mean? I think, like, um, I remember just going back to like that four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old time frame when we lived in those in the apartment, our you know first apartment. And I was sitting at I would sit at the table in my room, play at my little table. Was that like a little like kitty table, creative? Yes, table it was set. a little tight t- table set. Yeah, my little tight table set. I used to sit there with my little dolls or whoever I was playing with, Big Bird or whoever was sitting with me. And I would be playing with them, and I would, you know, you know, I'm very good at playing by myself. So I would be doing that, and I would hear, like, oh, you know there's other people like you, and you have to find your family. And that's not to say that you were not my family, but it was like, there are other people on this planet that you need to find, and you have a twin, and you have this, and you need to find these people. Like, you have to find your tribe. And so, of course, you know, I'm sitting there, like, however old like okay like <laughs> I'm gonna do it <laughs> you know right. it wasn't like an imaginary friend type of conversation it was a real conversation that was being had with me in my moment of playing by myself I was playing but I, I could hear clearly that indication in my mind and I think like whatever you know experiences that other people were having at my age I wasn't interested in having I was trying to find that connectivity between myself and whatever that message was because it stuck it, you know it, it stuck with me um so it wasn't like I just was like dang why does mommy keep on volunteering to babysit these people's kids like I'm not right kidding, you know well I, I think that that is you know really powerful because um even to this day uh, as you mature uh you've not had children and I um think that you've honored that um and then and I'm acknowledging with you right now if you are aware of it or not that you honored that voice um back then and are you hearing that conversation that so clearly of there's other people like you and to find your tribe your community uh and you being focused on okay well where do I find them how do I find them and yeah you were the child that was very comfortable being by yourself. Uh, I go back to, you know, being pregnant with you, uh, delivering you and uh, birthing you and you being very, very quiet. You weren't like this loud crying baby or this busybody kind of baby uh, internally, nor, you know, when I delivered you, um, you just kind of was at peace and quiet. You may have cried very quickly when you came out but right away you went into your sleep <laughs> and, so, and I was so appreciative of that because I was like thank you Lord and you saying later on that you chose me but I was like Ooh, thank you Lord being a brand new mom and I have no clue on how to do the thing 
thank you for not giving me a cry, a colicky baby or a sickly baby or a baby that was just kind of, you know, very vocal in her way of just less, I'm here. I'm here on this plane and yes, acknowledge me. You were just like, I have arrived. I'm just going to chill and we're going to do this, but we okay. I've gotten here. <laughs> I'm going to sleep now. <laughs> and it's so funny because you stay true to that because anybody who knows you know that you will go to sleep on them. <laughs> Even back to the day of you uh, having sleepovers. That was short-lived because you were not the best host. You would have them playing in the front room and you would be, I'm going to go get in the bed now. And I'm going to bed. And you were very clear about that. And you went and got into your bed. <laughs> and it was not a problem. <laughs> so, so Javon and Chardet, you know, they were just up in the front room with me because you were in the bed. So um, I would say that even at an early age, you know, you truly did hear and you did know clearly um, how to speak and use your voice in such a way that when you said something, you wanted to be heard. Um, also, when it comes down to, you mentioned a little bit earlier about um, not wanting to be volunteered, you know, for babysitting because you had your own plans. And so when you look at your life now, um, how do you see that playing out uh, when it comes down to day-to-day -day interacting with other individuals and you becoming yourself? How has that worked for you? Okay, so when it, when it comes down to act, interacting with other individuals, I would say that I have very rigid boundaries. Um, and the people in my life right now that I have I have had them in my life for over 10 years, you know what I mean? Like all of my friends that are my friends that understand my, my way without question, without um, judgment, they have been my friends for a long time and have seen parts of me that um, most people, because my boundaries are rigid upon first meeting me, most people don't get that, if ever, you know what I mean? So a lot of people have seen me, well, not a lot of people, but a lot of people in my friend circle, my, my tiny circle of friends have seen me in vulnerable moments and um, have allowed me to have those vulnerable moments and have been there with me in processing that. And that is very um, sacred to me. So I think like as I've gotten older, I have learned how to establish um, friendships. I'm still learning how to establish friendships and, and being able to still be myself within that space. Like, if you don't, like, you know, most of my friends always, if you don't see me for a, a whole entire year, maybe two, it's nothing personal. That's just me sleeping. You know what I mean? Like, that's my... That's my resting period. That's my, my time where I am, I consider it kind of like um, going into a phase of stillness and listening to myself and what is next and needed for me. Like, you know, social being social is not uncomfortable for me. I can do it, 
it's just unfortunate that it's not, it, well, let me take that back. It's not unfortunate. It's just one of those things that I don't have a large interest in doing. It's not a, necess- it's not a necessity. It isn't. It isn't a necessity for me. And, you know, I was telling um, uh, my girlfriend, I don't remember when we, we were the last together, but I was telling them, like, for the longest time, I felt highly conflicted with that, like, not being interested in other people's conversations like you know I feel like I should be able to have just a regular conversation with a person but for me it was like this I don't I don't you know for a lack of a a a more highly intuitive term I don't care you know what I mean I don't care what you're talking about I don't care about this television show or this artist or none of those things were interesting interesting to me now if you sat and you talked to me about some existential type stuff or anything like that I will have a full-blown conversation with you with no no uh no gap in between but I also think that's a part of me just staying focused on the fact of what I came here to do you you know what I mean like I think the fact that when you say when you birthed me that I was number one seven days completely early and then you had me before you even got on the bed you know what I mean so like I think my when I hear when I hear that for me it's like your birthing was or my birthing yours my birthing was very intentional correct so for me I think that's how I kind of navigated up to this point and, and continue to do so is to be intentional where I'm not necessarily interested in having quote unquote human experiences I'm looking for um the spiritual purpose, the 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 undercurrent, you know, um, and then you know, having experienced people and and I, you know, living that life of being experimental in, in my own way, when I felt like I was ready to be experimental, people are exhausting, you know, and, and for me to be empathic, they just are, and I find that. Um, until I was able to understand what it meant, what it meant for me to ground my own energy and protect my own energy, I just didn't want to be around other people because of the projections and the heaviness of them. Um, but I think that I've done a better job about that when it comes down to being mindful of myself as well as, as well as others and recognizing the spirit in other people as well yeah yeah well that's interesting you know and thanks for sharing because i was listening to you and i was kind of you know hearing the the tie the tie between um you know you saying you playing in your room and it not being an imaginary friend and you being very clear on being able to hear uh spiritually you know that there is others like you um, and so it sounds like, you know, you not necessarily having a need to be um, as vocal or having uh, conversations uh, that wasn't necess- necessarily of interest seems like you stayed true to, you know, hearing that very first message or your verse, very first, I will call it a, a spirit guide, you know, um, our guardian angels um, that are with us all the time. And so you kind of stayed on that path. And it's, I say it's interesting because most people at this point, 
they had lost that or they that got tuned out um, at some point early on in their life, rather if it was because someone's trying to, you know, have them to conform to being a particular way or listening to uh, or doing or being something that they weren't necessarily sent here to be or to become or to do. And it kind of gets drowned out from all of these other things that become a part of the layer of this world. And so you being still connected to that hearing in some ways of navigating through life uh, in your relationships and your conversations and your interests goes back to you being able to really, really know that you were you were told something in the very beginning or you knew that intentionally you were coming for a purpose. But I also think that it's also testament to your parenting of me as my mother to observe me and allow me space enough to say, this is something that she doesn't like. This is something that she does like. She doesn't like for certain things to be pushed on her or forced on her. And just you watching how autonomous I was and self-sufficient I was where you knew that maybe I didn't need so much, you know, in, influencing. Um, even though you, you know, there's certain, of course, as as your daughter, I have to adhere to your, to you as my mother, you know. Right. And I'm I'm sure that I push back in my own way, you know, which I think is why I always called meetings, <laughs> as you said. I always called them and okay, well, let's have a conversation about this because I really want her to understand what I'm saying versus me seeming like I'm rebellious or, or not wanting to do what she wants, you know, I'm going against my mother, but this is like why I don't like it. Um, so yeah, communicating with a purpose at that time. But yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you you watch me, you know, like you, some of the things that you have shared, shared about me being a, a, a kid, being a child, lets me know that you were paying attention, like, okay. <laughs> right. This is well, my child. Yeah, this is my child, and she, you know, she's a little, um, she's into her. She has her own drum, for sure. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it was clear. I mean, and 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 thank you for that because honestly, um, again, I'm gonna go back to saying, you know, when you have children, you don't know how to be a mom until you become a mother, and I believe that your children are different, each one of them. And so they allow you to see who they are and then you you parent them based off of who they are, but also making sure that they're safe, first off, and your environment is good, uh, that you're in a healthy space and all the other things that comes with me. Uh, we both bring packages. You bring something, I bring something, and we're coming together to make it work. So it's my responsibility to make sure that the elements that are that are already here in the environment that's here and however I'm moving uh, should be in such a way that it's safe for you to enter. And when you enter, now I got to see what your needs are. And so I was very much curious, even myself as a young child, or even just recognizing that within myself, that you became just a kind of an extension of me. And so it's funny because you say that, you know, I paid attention, yes, because you were the child that never wanted anything to match. Like, <laughs> buying 
you and shopping for you. And I mean, I would buy you everything. Your whole room was all canopied and all together. And it was fine. <laughs> but when it came down to clothing and dressing you, you were like, ah, oh, but why? Why does my underwear have to match my outer clothes? And why is my socks matching my underwear? And why does my underwear and my socks match my t-shirt? And I don't want my tennis shoes and everything to be the same color. And I don't want my hair braided <laughs> like that. And why? You challenge everything I'm a Virgo. Right, which I'm a Virgo, so you know, textbook Virgo is like very orderly, a little OCD and wants everything to be whatever. But I feel like in certain aspects of my of me being a Virgo, I'm I'm a little out of order. You know what I mean? Like I like I love Mitch Massey stuff. I I I ooh Lord, I hated it. And you know, it just makes me like it just makes me cringe the whole I mean I understood why you did it and just really quickly just a double back like thank you for creating a safe space for me as as my mother and a child so you know I know that being a mother can be scary um just from watching other people being first-time mothers and having kids and trying to provide the best and then you know in recognition that some kids don't don't have that luxury of, the, of a parent that is um as mindful or may extend extend that to them so thank you for extending that to, to me um as my mother but yeah i used to hate okay all caps hate <laughs> like why lord why do why i don't what 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 does this do you know i, I mean i get it you're like well if something happens to you I want to be able to tell people she has a blue underwear, her pants are blue, her socks, like I'm just walking around looking like a damn blueberry, basically. Well, you know, it's funny that you can remember everything that I explained to you because I believe that's when they were just putting uh, the pictures into the school and all of you guys in Twinsburg and you guys had to take pictures. Um, so that that way, because the kids, they were putting, they were first coming out putting um, pictures of kids missing on the milk cartons. Mm -hmm. And I explained the whole concept to you that if something happened to you, you know, then that way they know exactly what it was. And to the point, let's lead into you not being at where you were supposed to be over Auntie Felita's house when you were supposed to catch the bus one day after school. I remember that. You must have beat with my butt because that's out of my mind. We ain't going to talk about that because it's not even in my, my memory. My well, no, one day after school, you caught the bus home and you went over to Ralph's and Felita's house and they weren't there and you ended up across the street over to the neighbor's house mm -hmm. and we had called the police and mm -hmm. when I had described everything that you had on down to your bag, yeah. <laughs> then they ended up finding you across the street because they Ralph and Felita were gone, but however... They had come back, and by then, you know, the neighbor across the street, you had, had brought you over. And so when that policeman had seen you, he said, I wish most parents would take the time to know and, and do what you did uh, as it relates to what your child uh, has on. He said, because every single thing that you described, he said, she looks exactly, he said, I had a photo tenant, uh, a picture of her in my mind because, because I, I didn't need to be all the way down. Be, I didn't need to be that because you were that. So when I was born, I was like, I don't need to add more OCD to the OCD. So let me just go ahead and do whatever. Because you, ma'am, 
Lord. And I couldn't wait to come out that stuff. Like I was, I, I think I tried every way to, to make it different. You know, I like try. I try every way to just to modify it just a little bit. She ain't gonna notice it. <laughs> yeah, you you really did, but I noticed it. I would notice every time. But you know, and and I can appreciate you at that point standing your ground, saying no. I need you to see me. I need you to allow me to be. And at that point, I stopped spending a lot of my money on trying to make sure. Because you would ask me, well, who's gonna wear that? Yes, you know, I would buy you coats and all, and you're like, well, who's gonna wear that? I'm not wearing that. So it's funny that you just was really, really kind of stood your ground in such a non-aggressive, it was very passive, but it was very like stern and like, well, I'm going to ask you the question. So who's wearing that? Think about it. Well, who is going to wear that coat? Who is going to wear that coat? Like who? <laughs> so <laughs> I can appreciate that about you because I think that you're still to this day honoring um, that that voice, that girl. Um, and so, which leads me to the next phase of asking the question. Um, I heard on your podcast, and it's the wound, and can you repeat the, the, the title? The wound is where the light enters you. Yeah, and so you said you explored, so I'm, I'm fast past, I'm going past the, the clothing into the moment of your exploration in terms of just what you wanted to try. And I can remember uh, you living in New York. Mm -hmm. And you, um, and, and so I'm gonna go here quickly, but I, I, I think you'll pick up where I'm going because I don't wanna expose too, too much. But I wanna ask you about a dark time uh, that when you were in New York and it was my birthday and I got a call and that you were not well in a way that um, I instantly, it's almost like I kind of somehow, uh, you know, astral plane over into <laughs> New York quickly to yeah. get to you. And so, um, how did you get to that place? Knowing that you had heard and that you knew that there were other people and that you were um, here to do something, how did you get, because that's the first dark place that I can recall. That wasn't the first dark place. The first dark place was actually Philadelphia. That was like the second, I think that was probably like the cap on the, um, on the darkness maybe. Um, no, you're correct because the first dark place was Philadelphia yeah. with the cat and yeah, yes. Yeah, so when I, um, when I, moved away from home to have the experience of exploring myself and you know what it meant to go ahead and like I guess uh, embody what I was seeing in my mind of what I you know what I looked like um I was not prepared energetically okay and <clears throat> What I mean by that is I don't think that I, I don't think I understood at the time the abilities that I had. I didn't know that I was empathic. I didn't know what that was. You know, like when people when people ask me how long I've been spiritual, if that's if that's what you want to call, you know, if that's the phrase we're using. It has been since I was a kid. And you know, that seventeen time frame and 
and trying to understand what, you know, asking those questions, like put me in the right position for where I need to be so I can know what I need to do. Like going, asking those questions for sort. But I didn't know that I was open in the capacity that I was going to be seeing things, hearing things, feeling things. I didn't know any of that stuff. I just was trying to, I was just searching. I was, you know, I was in seeking phase, looking for whatever that was, looking for that tribe, looking for that family, looking for my place, looking for um, a resemblance of me in the world because, you know, growing up with my mother, as you know, you, I had to follow your rules, and which I did, you know what I mean? But I knew that there was something else, like, you know, okay, there's more to me. So moving to Philadelphia, I was exposed to energies, entities that, that I wasn't ready for. I wasn't aware of that. I didn't know what it meant to protect, again, my energy, protect my um, my abilities to ground myself. I didn't know what that was. So that was the first time that I had <clears throat> heard, you know, had a clear, a clear audience um, experience. And for those that don't know what a clear, clear audience is, that is you being able to hear um, a little bit past your third eye. Right now, mom, or not your third eye, well, that too, but um, your your physical ears. So right okay. now, mother and I are having a conversation, but you can actually hear spirit. You can hear other voices that are in um, dimension, realm, whatever. So that was the first time I ever had that experience, and it scared the shit out of me, you know, <laughs> um, because I was by myself, 100% completely by myself, and it was so clear. Like, how was that, you know, logically, how was that possible to hear somebody else's voice outside of mine out loud? And I'm the only one in this room right now. I'm the only one in this house right now. Right. I think that a part of it could have been many things. It could have been um, my own fear in combination with... um, maybe mis- misunderstanding or not understanding fully what I was dealing with not fully un- and I, what, I, what I mean I'm dealing with I mean like spiritually what I was dealing with what I was asking for you right. know what I mean because I was, I was asking for the truth I was asking for my truth but right. I wasn't saying how I wanted it to come to me I wasn't you know when they say you, when you do your affirmations or your vision for you gotta be specific right I was asking correct, correct. I was asking for all these things to come to me let me see so I started to see, you know, I started to see darkness. I started to see things in shadows. I started to hear things that were not comfortable. Correct. Um, and that I didn't, I didn't understand that element yet. Um, so fast forwarding to New York. Again, well, before you fast forward, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to. No, keep going. Are you sure? I'm sure. Go ahead. We got time today. Uh, we are all right. All right. Yes, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lord, it's all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. We'll come back to this. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so when I was in New York, and I, in hindsight, what I did was I put myself in mass energy, right? 
in the mm-hmm. place where there was tons of energy. New York is a place where there's a lot of different types of people, a lot of different realms, elements, and energetically it can be overwhelming to somebody that's empathic if they don't understand what that is. Same with Philadelphia, it has its own energy as well. Um, and I, again, did not go there with, with understanding that I needed to be grounded. So drawing in people to me, some were healthy, some were not. Um, the moment that my mother's speaking about, and I, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I'm not ashamed to say that I've shared this many times. I attempted suicide when I was like 23, 24, and it was on her birthday. Um, I was in a relationship with the person. Now, this is not the person, it's not their fault. I don't blame this person for me attempting suicide. But I think that where I was, I was depressed. Like, I mean, you know, I was experiencing depression and I had five roommates. We lived in a um, overpaid loft <laughs> in in the Bushwick, uh, Williamsburg area. And we had, you know, just to give you some visual, most of the people that were like in our friend group, they were artists, they were going to art school. And we had one friend who was an artist and she was a photographer specifically. And she wanted to take a picture of us each in our room because we all had our, you know, our room. And everybody's room was different. It spoke to their personality. And so when she finished her project and she showed us um, the photos, you could see my depression in my photos because my room was just like, you know, I was expressing myself through collage. I was expressing myself through whatever type of medium of art that I could do. I'm not like a trained artist, but some expression was coming out, you know, and it just looked chaotic. It looked um, all over the place. It just, it just looked like, damn, like this girl got a lot going to her hair right now and it's all on her walls. And then my facial expression, my body language, I looked unhappy. And my unhappiness came from, again, me not, me feeling stuck in my body, right? I was having this experience with these people. I'm in this relationship and none of them, none of it's fulfilling. None of it's fulfilling. It's not getting me where I I need to be, where I want to be for myself. And I'm not opening up exactly where I was, where I wanted, where I want to be. You know, I'm, I'm trying to assist other people to understand me and they're not willing to do so. You know what I mean? Like they're not willing to hear and understand me. And my roommate's girlfriend asked me to go um, the great thing about New York is that even though it's expensive, you can do a lot of shit for free. I don't know if that's happening right now because they seem to have gone up a lot, but you can find some free shit. So we went to this concert. I don't remember the artist's name, but her, 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 the way she was singing, Lord, it was like, I was like, I'm ready to go. I'm tired. I don't want to be here no more. I'm over these people. Like, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go home. I don't want to be here. It wasn't like I hated my life. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't any type of like sorrow. I just was tired. You know, I felt like tired. Like, damn, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of coming into situations where I'm, I am experiencing just bullshit. And people are ugly and they're mean and they're draining and they're vampiric. And, you know, I'm tired of seeing this and I, I wanted to leave. And the only thing that 
inside of me. I don't know what what made me tell because I took like a good portion of a bottle of pills. It didn't take me that long to pass out. Um, but I ended up telling my roommate like what I did, and that's when he took me. And I told him not to tell you because I knew it was your birthday, and I was like, I want my mother to enjoy her day. Like you can tell her tomorrow. <laughs> But like, don't tell her today. <laughs> like, oh my! Tomorrow when I'm in the hospital, but don't tell her today because it's her birthday. You know, I don't want her to feel some type of way. Lo and behold, they didn't told your ass. And here you come in the next day in the hospital. I'm like, I told you, I'm not sitting up, you know, type list. But um, I think that yeah, in hindsight, when I go, when I look at that time in my life and in that area of lowness and that dark time, you know. That was me not understanding my own power, for real. Not understanding my gifts, not not being grounded within myself, feeling lost, even though I wasn't. Um, because even in those moments, at, at every juncture, there was something that always kept me, kept me in a place of, don't forget. Like I remember when I was um, when I was living in Philadelphia and I was having those moments of, of vision and hearing. Um, I would take different routes home walking, and I remember I walked home one night and I looked over and there was graffiti on the wall and it said "Do not be afraid." And that meant something for me because I was afraid. I was afraid of what I was seeing. I was afraid of what I was experiencing. I did not understand it. And that, that, that shook the hell out of me. You know, like, am I crazy? I know I'm not crazy, but why do I keep seeing these people, like, doing these very odd bodily, you know, like, bodily things, like, for lack of a better term, almost as if I'm seeing walking demons. You know what I mean? Like, that's not normal. And I, and I know I'm not crazy, right? I know I'm not clinically <laughs> crazy. Okay. So what is wrong and why am I saying this? And I was afraid. So when I saw that graffiti, like, do not be afraid, I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna be afraid. You know, and I started to lean more into the Christianity part, but that wasn't working for me. And that's not to like take away from anybody that practices Christianity. That's just my a spiritual practice that resonates with me. Okay. Um, so in New York as well, you know, at the time I was practicing Buddhism, but that, it was just like, I don't know, it was something, I needed something more. I needed something more, more resonant to whatever elevation process was happening. So I think that's, I think that's what was occurring, that I was elevating, but I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Like, yeah, I'm following you. Okay. Does it make sense how you can elevate, but because you're not cognitively able to catch up to what's happening to you, it, it's like a crash. You know? Correct. So I think I was crashing because of all the energy that I was receiving from being in this in this high frequency place of, of you know, the city in New York or Philadelphia or wherever I was. And my soul at, at every point was trying to point me in direction, but sometimes I would catch it and sometimes I wouldn't. And I just kind of tapped out in that moment. But then it was like, you know, no, that's not it. And I, you know, sitting in that space voluntarily in that psych ward for like however many days, I think it was a week you have to do voluntary. Yeah, it was a week. Yeah, so the week that I um, spent, I did a lot of, a lot of self-assessment and it became real to me when I was like trying to write and I went to go ask a lady for a pencil and she was like, you can't have one. I was like, what? What do you mean I can't have a pencil? I'm just, I just want to write. She's like, you need to wait in the morning. 
And then I went back to my room and I was like, oh, because I'm in here for attempted suicide. So of course you're not going to give me a pencil because that would be a weapon that I could use against myself. And it clicked, like, and there was a nurse in there and I didn't see her after that when I first got there. She was like, you do not belong in here. So there. Okay. I was about to say when I first when I got there the next day, mm-hmm. because I I left that night when you when I got the call, mm-hmm. and I got there the next day, and I came into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Right away when I looked at you, I just looked at you and said, "Why are you here?" I remember that too. And I started crying I, because I there was nothing in me that made me feel afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not angry. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get to you to say, I'm here, first off. Are you okay? And then, why are you here? So when I walked through and I saw you in the bed, I was like, oh, why are you here? I, I remember just leaning over to you and looking in your face and you looking at me as if to say, oh my God, my mommy is here. And I looked at you and said, why are you here? Because I, at that moment recognized, oh, you were just out of alignment. You had just lost your way. And I didn't think that you were trying to kill yourself. I never received that. Spiritually, I never received that. When I walked in, I got my confirmation because it was just like, oh, you just lost your way. And so I asked you, as I always have, raising you, I would always pose questions. You know me, I'm I'm the one that instead of spanking you or whipping you, I'm gonna talk you through this or I'm you're gonna wish that you got a whipping because I wanna have a conversation around it. That's where I learned my question asked you is from you. OCD one. Okay. <laughs> So I, I really just wanted to know why why are we here? <laughs> OCD why? <laughs> and so, you know, and, and so in that darkness, I think my awareness of you just explaining it um kind of confirms that I just felt like you were just you had lost your way. Yeah. Um, I, I really not did. in alignment. Yeah, I really did. It was like um you know, and, and I don't I don't regret that moment. I know that sounds kind of crazy, maybe to no, say. No, it's not crazy. Because here's what I would, my next, my, I guess what's leading to that, if someone is listening or when, you know, or someone needs help mm-hmm. and you're expressing, and I'm asking you becoming Kyra, but then you also are speaking of, you know, knowing that, you know, there was no imaginary friends that, you know, that you were actually hearing audibly, you know, someone saying to you that there's others like you, uh, and then you trying to find your way on that spiritual path or that way of enlightenment or having that community and, and, and being purposeful and intentional about being here, uh, but you lose your way, what would you say to them? Um, because it's all about becoming, correct? And in the becoming, there's some darkness. You do, you do get off the path, and I, I, I recognize that, like at that, at that, 
scared off of it. Like there's there's some of us that can do some of us are here and they can they can get all crazy with their life and do all these crazy things and come back on it, right? And then there's some people like me where you can't get off your straight and narrow. You gotta be on it. You can't even put your toe on the other side of that road. You have to stay completely one hundred percent tunnel because you can look around but don't step off, right? And I think in the moment of when I had lost my way, I didn't slow down. Okay. I didn't slow down to reassess and just say, okay, what do I need to do now to keep myself in balance? Because I feel like I'm going in a direction I don't need to go. And I know that this is not me. I know I'm not a suicidal person. I'm just having a difficult time right now what does that look like for me to come out of my difficult time? And I feel like if I would have done that, because in some way I was kind of, I just, you know, I just became rash and just started speeding up. And this, well, this, is, this is what I need to do. I just need to get out of here. Because if I get out of here, I'm going to deal with it, you know? And But it's like, no, you, you have to keep going because there is something for you to do that is a little bit bigger than your situation and your circumstance. And the person that I have in your environment right now, what you're not paying attention to is they are your iron. They're sharpening you, right? Okay. Um, because that experience, it sharpened me. It, it brought me into an awareness. It made me feel, I remember being in that ambulance talking to my friend and I kept, kept asking, why is this happening to me? And whatever happened, because I was out for a minute, I was out whatever in, in the ER room. I don't, I don't remember getting out of the ambulance into the actual hospital to get into the bed. I just remember waking up in the bed and I couldn't hear anything, I couldn't speak, and I was trying to express that to the nurses or whomever was there. And whatever time frame I had in that blackout period, because it was dark, you know, it was blackout. I was maybe unconscious at a point, you know. Whatever happened during that time, it was like, you're not a victim. You know, you you aren't a, you are not a victim. Like I can kind of feel myself like reset or make some type of new promise to me that like whatever you're whatever is happening right now in this moment, like this isn't you. And you need to recognize your own greatness to come out of that situation that the energy that you have in you, the connection that you have in you, the power that you have in you it outweighs any other circumstance that a person um, could try to make you feel the opposite. Because the iron that I'm speaking of were those that were trying to make me feel the opposite. You know, trying to... Go ahead. No, go ahead, Mommy. And when you were saying the iron and those were the things that tried to make you do the opposite, define iron. I, I, well, you know, they say iron sharpens iron, right? So something, you know, yeah, iron sharpens iron. And you have that one piece of iron that makes that other piece super sharp. And so I understand that. Right. But what I'm saying is what, what, is, was what that, is iron? What was, well, what was the iron for you in the, at the time that you went off or you lost yourself? Was it um, hanging with the wrong People. I don't think they were the wrong people, but it's almost like you know how you know how like they, people say that all the time, especially right now. How sometimes you can think that you have somebody in their corner and they really aren't, 
and they will try to break you down and make you think that you are invaluable, but that's their insecurities they're, they're projecting. So I felt like at that time, I had projected energy coming at me where I wasn't recognizing it as somebody else's insecurities. I was thinking that they were my own. Okay. So I just needed to be a little bit more specific in that yeah. because, you know, we can use some language that sometimes people are lost and they're really, really needing the kind of, the real right. bottom line. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, it's like you, you you lost your way and you missed the cues because I heard you say that you saw on the wall as you walked mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, don't be afraid. Right. Like, how many other cues do we miss? Yeah. How many other, in audio, and you know, you could have heard things before, but at what point did you drown out or, or tune out or was your hearing not as loud anymore because of how much noise or whatever frequency or iron, as you put it, uh, was really, really the energy, you know, driving energy at that time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I, I definitely, all of that. And I don't know, I don't know what made me drown out that, um, that element I really don't but you know I, I quickly got out of it in my time that those seven days I quickly got out of it and you know kind of made that promise to myself that I wouldn't allow any longer for someone to make me feel that um to feel that which is their own fear you know what I mean like I wouldn't allow for somebody else's fears to be put on me Okay. As I began to understand that I was empathic and having, you know, additional experiences that that proved that, um, and then moving back home and having like, I guess, a a restoration period where I was able to just relax, slow down, have some quiet, um, become become one and, and integrated with myself again, and refocus then I began to okay let me step back on this path but let me step on it and step and start walking let me not just let me not just be on the path let me start walking it right because I've I've been finding it you know I have found it you know again being a kid and hearing that and then um expressing certain things to you sharing that I wanted to practice Buddhism and I was actually going to be practicing Buddhism and then practicing Buddhism for some time and then you know, saying to myself, okay, there's there's other things that I need to do. Um, you even like going back to you even taking me to see Annie and getting great matches with her, um, and then being reintroduced into that in like 2012 when I came back home from living in New York, 2011. I don't remember time, but some somewhere around. 2011. Yeah, 2011, being reintroduced to Reiki. And then, like, oh, okay, so, you know, things started to connect. Right. So I started to, to connect, and I think because of that moment of me having that off-kilter space where I was not successful in my suicide attempt, whatever was re, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
whatever was reinstated in my person during that time of my being unconscious, when I came back home, I became super serious about what I needed to be doing. Okay, who, where, where is my community? What work do I need to be doing? What's my purpose work? What is, what is um, my next step? And yes, I was working jobs, but it was more so like, I don't really care who sees me and doesn't understand me. That's not my problem anymore. My, my worry and my concern, not even those words, but my focus is now me going ahead and stepping fully into myself, however that develops, and pulling my community to me. And then, you know, that's when I, I kind of stepped away from Buddhism and that I appreciate Buddhism a lot because it taught me um, the discipline of what it means to be still, the discipline and understanding of how you could be self-initiated and what it means to heal yourself and to redirect your own dharma, your own karma as well. And also having um, a devotional side to it that I, I really appreciate it. And I feel like it's very important in my practice right now with me being a priestess, um, recognizing certain devotion that is needed and steadfastness that is needed. But the Buddhism was a transitionary phase for me into what I'm, what I'm doing now. And, you know, using the elements around me, calling on um, nature and speaking back to the spirit that was speaking to me. You know what I mean? Like engaging, engaging that. So would you say that that is the light that you speak of um, through your, the wound? Yes, because, okay, so here's the thing, right? In human experience, and we live in this matrix where like, you know, there's so many false falsehoods between what we what we need to have, what makes us important, what makes us thrive, what makes us great. And I don't resonate with any of those things. Not to say I don't appreciate them, I don't like them. We need I need them, yes. But that doesn't make me great. What makes me great for, for myself is ownership and recognition of my own life which is the connectivity that I have to that divinity, that spirit that allows me to navigate and obtain and manifest, right? Because we're all on manifestation now. All, you know, all of this language is very prevalent at this time to manifest and to seek it, you know, seek it into existence and, 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 and act it out and, you know, call these things to you. So for me, that light is truly recognizing that what I am what I am pulling on is my my connection to the source. You know, right. mm-hmm. connection to source, connection to the fact that I have a relationship with that source, and recognition that that source is always going to provide to me exactly what I need because I'm here on its dime. Does that make sense? Like I'm here. Yeah, I'm here on its dime and I have something to do. And I, when I came out of my mother, you, I cried, I slept, <laughs> so that way I could rest up for my life. And, you know, I, I, I got ready to embark on, on my journey and things happen, you know, it's a human experience. You're gonna have moments of, of pain, of, of darkness, of sadness, of discomfort, but it's understanding yourself. Right? I think as I've 
started to get older and, and those experiences, they helped me to understand myself. Because I was looking for myself externally, right? I was looking for myself in other things. You know, trying to, what would it be like? Well, would I find myself in Philadelphia? Will I find myself in New York? You know what I mean? Like, will I find myself here? Will I find myself there? And it was like, no, you won't find yourself in any of those, any of those places, but those places will help you to understand where you need to exist in order to find yourself, right? Right. It was when I came back internally inside of myself, and again, that integration of merging the little girl sitting at her little tight table and having her moment listening and getting quiet and being still and hearing the next step okay and, and like I said engaging that's when I really started, started to engage like okay if this is what I'm supposed to be doing or if I'm not supposed to be here what do you tell me you show me you put these things in my in my path so that way it's very clear to me I'm supposed to go over there correct well what I just heard you say was that you know you had an ideal of in it, well, it was a skewed. It wasn't even really, you knew that there was something, there was a community, there was others like you. You didn't know what they looked like. You didn't know what they sounded like. You didn't know where they were. So as we are in our physical, living in this space, traveling, uh, then we end up in places that it, is this the form of it? Does it look like that? And we're creating it um, as we go. And however, it may not be the creation of what you are to become and so now it sounds like you learn that it's not external it's the becoming of that thing that you heard right coming a part of others like you which is becoming aware becoming yes. with yourself becoming um comfortable in that unforeseen guidance yeah you know that light that you have to listen to you have to lean on mm -hmm. uh you have to pray and ask for a direction you have to sit still and be quiet with um so that you don't go through um so much darkness um necessarily because you're externally looking for something um, which then speaks back to the things that you kind of alluded to uh, how you become successful or how you become you know your gauge to be you're good at this or you're good at that you are what you are because you're this light from within right i think about like so in buddhism and in Kemeticism, the lotus flower is referenced right it's it's um, a beautiful flower and it grows out of mud right mm -hmm. it grows out of mud it doesn't look at other flowers and see are you growing faster than me or you know right. your roots deeper than mine or you know maybe your petals are bigger or maybe you're more bright in color that's not the goal of the of the of the lotus it is pushing through this dense mud and seeking the sun seeking light seeking right. seeking you know enlightenment uh as we understand it, seeking raw and it's just going straight up. And how it how it pushes through that mud is its own thing. Whatever it needs to do to push through, as long as it's pushing through and removing, you know, the obstructions in its path and making making its path and opening space for itself to get to that light is kind of how I would, you know, I, I love um, 
every piece of that because it's like yes like that that is it the, your wound is the mud right your wound is the mud of your experiences of your life of the things that just piss you off that you just don't want to go through that make you uncomfortable that push you past your threshold that make you feel like you know challenging and you may stop because sometimes that mud just might, might be so thick that it requires you to push a little extra hard right but then once you get past that light or not the light i'm sorry once you get past that that threshold and that that gooky mud that extra that extra dense mud it becomes easier and your right. muscles are stronger and the next time you come up against a hurdle that where there's more dense mud you can push it easier it's not as you don't got to put as much effort it becomes easier to, to push up until you get right at the surface of the soil and you can see that peaking right you, you do all your healing you cry i don't care if you get angry you pissed off if you punch through the mud whatever you gotta do again use your emotions you know with intentions how you say cry with an intention yes you know emotions. if you don't manage your emotions your emotions will manage you right so managing <laughs> managing your emotions where they are serving you versus harming you and understanding how to use them to navigate through the mud of your life so that way you can get to that threshold and, and get to that mud. Yeah, I mean, and managing your emotions is also being curious enough to know why am I having this emotion? Why am I having this kind of reaction or impact? Um, and why am I feeling this way? Why am I acting this way? Be curious enough to kind of dig deep right. and want to find the light, you know, to find the, the direction that you need to go in, uh, in that space of your emotions right. so that you can now operate in a different way. Because if not, your your vibration, your energy, whatever you want to call it, your emotion is going to take you somewhere because something is happening. Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to be present with that, or if you're not willing to be curious enough to say what's happening, let me figure this out. Let me go in the mud. It's muddy right now. Let me call this what it is. Let me call this sadness. Let me call this not whatever you want to. But if you don't go into that space, um, the space is going to take you. It's it just is. gonna. It's it's just gonna take Run you right back up. Quick thing. Absolutely. Exactly. And yeah. and 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 ironically enough, it's gonna take you, and you're gonna go in a circle. You're just going to keep coming and going and coming and going and coming and going until you decide, what is this about? And so I guess I go to the question um, in this, you know, I'm going to try to end my question with this, is um, when you speak of Rami in the, the last podcast of saying, okay, I am just going to be authentically me. I am going to show up. Uh, 2020, this is my year, it's calling me forth. Is, is that the light that's calling you forth, that you're honoring that light? Yeah. And that light is honoring you in return? Yeah. Because 2020, as we humans uh, have thought, we, we set, you know, New Year's resolutions, we had business plans, we had thoughts of what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And the light itself or the universe itself changed things around. Shut it down. Totally. Shut it down. Shut it down. All on a timeout. <laughs> I think like before before this whatever this quote unquote pandemic, um as they are calling it, corona and all that extra stuff happened. Like I was already 
in a space of creating what, what that meant for me to be liberated. So it was no, it was, it was like, okay, what, you know, I think that in the beginning of what was happening, I was like, okay, wait, what's going on? What, what, is, what are the facts? What's happening? But once I saw that, like, my will was still turning, if not faster, I was like, oh, okay, this is an external situation. It's real, it's serious, but um, I have already made my intention of what I wanted to do for myself in these next 10 years. And regardless of what's happening in the outside world, I can either claim that or I can either claim my liberation. And that's what I decided, you know, that's what I'm deciding to do. Um, and you said something about me and I can't, I don't know what you said. Oh my God, because you said a lot of stuff and I just was involved in what you were speaking of. But um, the, that light, I think you were asking me if the light was my liberation. I think so. I think my light, me coming into liberation or, or entering, entering into a cycle of liberating myself because I am 36 now and, you know, that comes to the number nine, which is cycles, ending cycles, new cycles, new beginnings. It's like at this point, I have learned how to be an observer of my life where circumstances no longer completely take me out any longer because I learned how to step back and say, okay, ask those questions. What is happening right now? Why do I feel this way? Why am I having this experience? What can I learn from this right now where I don't get involved in it and it is no longer a problem for me, but I'm working to see what the solution is, right? Okay. So the victim mentality is no longer there. Like the, the discomfort of, of, of having to like push through bullshit, yes, that's very, that's, that's apparent. You, got, you have to do that. You got to fight with your gloves on, get your Timberlands on, whatever shoes you need, barefoot, however, however you get down, do that. But um, for me, it was like, okay, let me observe and be unafraid to say where I'm at and, and own it in a sense of it's temporary. I'm here, right. understand that's where I'm at, but this is not where I'm staying. And whomever I'm, I'm dealing with, whether it's a friend or whatever, you're either going to understand this is where I'm at. And if you can't understand that, the door is right there. All is well, be well, no harm, no foul. But I need to, I'm trying to get there. I need to get over there. And you're either in my way or you're going to walk with me. One of the two. Right. So that light is that liberation, understanding that what what is at the end of that tunnel, what's at the at the what I'm reaching for is obtain it's a it's attainable. I can attain that. Right. Now I'm I'm well uh geared up, strapped up, well well tooled up, whatever you want to say. I have the ability to get it. And I know that the universe is going to give it to me as well because of that initial conversation, because of all the things, all the seeds that have been planted along my journey. And, you know, I, we just gave a, a, a very small amount of what that was, but there's other intricate levels to it. Absolutely. All of those, all of those experiences are providing me good soil to go ahead and plant all of the seeds that I need 
or if they're not already planted for those seeds to start growing at this point. So right. at, at this point in my life, it's like, okay, I have learned those lessons. And when things come about where they start to look similar, I'm able to deal with it a little bit better and make better choices. You right. know what I mean? Like I'm able to stay in alignment with myself where I'm not getting thwarted off my path because I have come to a serious blow of a misunderstanding of what's going on around me. So, you know, I do understand that, and I, I do understand this might be somewhat timely because I think that it is Suicide Aware Awareness Month. It is. And understanding that, you know, mental health looks all types of ways. It's not just a physical uh, deformity or a mental uh, deformity, mental health can be anything. And coming from a spiritual standpoint, understanding that sometimes your mental health is attached to your gifts, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And understanding that those gifts that you have are not you being crazy and because someone else may not understand what that is doesn't necessarily mean that you're wrong now if you are at a place where you feel like you need to harm yourself or harm someone else you do need to get help and don't be afraid to get help because you might need a filtration system of someone that is a little bit more grounded than you if not a lot more grounded than you to help you to come to alignment with yourself. Do not be afraid to get on medication. Do not be afraid to seek out a form of spirituality that resonates with you. Because we forget, you know, we forget when we come here that we are a little bit more than flesh, bone, muscle, plasma, red blood cell, cartilage, bone marrow. We, you know, there's a lot more to us than just our vehicle and sometimes those two things they um they work against one another right so in awareness of what it means to feel alone what it means to feel unheard feel unappreciated feel unloved feel um like you're invisible nobody sees you nobody understands you all of those things could possibly just mean that you have not found your tribe. Yeah. I mean, that's a possibility. I mean, and and that's the great beauty of it is that um, there's lots of opportunity. You know, um, I love this, this quote. It's like... Um, Life offers neither problems nor challenges, only opportunities. And in the event that you haven't figured it out yet, there's so many opportunities um, just out there waiting. Um, As Sir Winston Churchill said, um, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity and an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And so you just got to work through some things. And I've seen you work through a lot of things and turn them into 
amazing opportunities for yourself uh, by following the light. And so I would just say becoming Kyra has been very, very enjoyable for me to see and to be able to follow. And like you said, this is just a small um, conversation around um, parts of you. Uh, it's not the totality or even half of, or even, it haven't even scratched the surface. Um, but I was just wondering, like, she's turned 36. What does that mean for her? What does that feel like for her? Because it's not mine, it's yours. It's been your 36 years of traveling, transitioning, uh, becoming, uh, figuring things out, uh, creating, developing. Um, and so I'm going, where are you at this marker? Uh, how do you feel? And in watching you, I feel like you have, you know, done quite well. Thank you. And so I'm proud for you. Uh, a lot of people say I'm proud of you. No, I'm proud for you because that means you're honoring yourself. That means that you're really kind of, you know, doing the things that is going to make your life uh, that much more richer. And you're going to make this earth and this this planet that much more richer by what you're creating and developing. Yes, I'm your mom. However, we're all co-creators of what we're come here to do. And that is to do the work and to build and to serve and to, you know, be intentional about whatever our purpose is and shine that light, bring the light. I'm, I'm super grateful for um, everything that, <laughs> somebody asked me a question of like a long time ago and it picked them off. And they're like, what are you grateful for? And I was like, everything and nothing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what does that mean? And I was like, y'all, y'all not ready to have a conversation with me right now. I'm like, everything and nothing. I'm grateful for everything that I have experienced. And I'm grateful for the things that I haven't. Everything and nothing. Everything and nothing. Everything and nothing. And I'm happy to have found my community and continue to expand it. And um, I'm, I'm happy to have listen and continue to listen and I'm happy to know when I don't know everything and when I need to fall back and just continue to be a student and learn you know I appreciate that too um but I have a question for you okay and my question is that's right it's coming on back around to you all right so <laughs> My question is, how do you, do you, well, not how, let me go back. Do you feel liberated in your own journey by watching me as your child in an extension of you? And how do you feel that way? I don't know if I can say I feel liberated. I wouldn't use that word. I think that what I can say is that I have been a good steward of the gift that has been given to me. And I have honored that gift in such a way that I didn't harm it. I didn't hurt it. I didn't stifle it. I didn't 
you know, do anything to take it off its course or to make it not capable of uh, becoming. And so in that gift, I've treasured it. And so I can say that in me recognizing that you are a gift and that we all are gifts and my children, Devin's a gift, um, that I'm able to kind of cherish a gift. You know how it is. Someone gives you a gift and it's meaningful and it's purposeful and you love it and you you know you want to shower it back with love, then I feel that when I see you in any capacity, I just know that, okay, this is my gift. And my gift, I am to shower it with love, even in the event, if it's going through pain, if it's going through uh, a happiness or a celebration, or if it's going through challenges, the, the, the purpose for me is to shower you with love, to give that gift of life love and support. And so in that, I'm watching you be able to ground yourself and move in such a way that you now are strong enough to do the things that my love, my support, my presence, my listening ear, uh, me allowing you to just be that gift now start taking form. And so I feel very proud to be able to see that. I feel honored to be able to to know that. And that takes maturity because again, a lot of people, the title mother, father, you know, yes, <laughs> that's what we are because, you know, we were in partnership. Mm-hmm. However, it doesn't mean that I get to hijack your life just because I'm mama. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm your mama. So you're going to do what I say or, well, what if my mama but this is not the case. What if my mama was not as healthy or as present or as capable of giving me what I needed in order to be healthy for you? So that now I'm now passing on something or trying to do some things in a way that was, you know, unhealthy. And I'm now harming you now that I have my own gift. Now, thankfully, I had a loving, supportive, beautiful, amazing mother that helped me really, really see what womanhood and, and responsibility and grounding and allowing me to be from the whole community that I have. And it, you know, we're like a box of Cracker Jacks. You never just know what you're going to get out of us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's an element of surprise in all of us. The However, she was the same mama. Exactly. And we all took away what we needed to. And so I just don't, t- I, and I don't ever recall mom ever, like, I'm your mother kind of thing to me. So I couldn't rule that way. I didn't know how, and I still don't. I just know how to appreciate you, and I know that you are a child that was given to me by God and it was a gift. And so we are all children of God. And so we are all spirits. And so I have to be careful with you being that spirit, knowing that you, you know, you were a gift to me. So I just, I'm, I'm happy that I respected the spirit that you are and that I was gifted with. 
Thanks, Mom. You're welcome, child. <laughs> I want to say that you do have, you got one hell of a year. You got the best listening year ever. Like, I know it's been plenty of times I didn't call you, and I'm like, <laughs> like, slow down, let's go back. Now let's go back to that word. Now what you say about this? Okay, now go back to that. And I'm like, okay. You know, it's like you, you uh, there's like a picture of um, a therapy session where the person's mind is like three colors of thread is all jumbled together. The therapist is talking, but one by one, each piece of thread is coming out on its own. That's what your ass does that year. You got it. Love that Love it. <laughs> Yes. Well, anyone who knows me knows that I'm going to drill down. Uh, I'm a one size fits all, but not most. So if you're not ready, you, you know, don't don't come at it. Uh, but for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm just happy that you are where you are and that you're feeling good. Uh, and I like um, what I hear and what I see you doing. Uh, and your community that you're developing and everyone within it, uh, I am proud for them because they are truly owning all of their crowns and, you know, doing everything that they need to do. Uh, I heard the last segment of your podcast with you and Michelle, and that was amazing. I can't wait for the next uh, follow-up to uh, that conversation. <laughs> What'd you say? Well, you know, there has to be a follow-up to that because that was so uh, amazing. So, yeah, I just I just like watching all of that come to life. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I'm, ha I'm happy that you was willing to do this conversation because you were like, what? I was like, yes, I want to have this conversation with you because, you know, I just want to know. You know, I'm curious. I want to know about you. I'm still learning you. I don't, I don't take the claim of fame that you know, oh, she, I had her, she's my daughter, and I know her. No, that's not true. I'm still learning. Of course, I know you, but as you continue to evolve and grow, we all change. So as you transition and as you continue to come, you know, forth, I'm going to learn some things that I don't know. And I'm just always curious about, oh, well, tell me what you think. And where are you? And how do you feel about where you are? Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. So yeah, this went a little bit longer than I anticipated, okay. like a but you know. Thing, uh, do you have any other questions before we wrap it up? Um, no, I would just say, you know, not having children, but knowing that there's a lot of people that, you know, would love to have children or there's a lot of relationships that are challenged, mother and daughter, um, then what would you, if anything, um, give advice to anyone or words of encouragement shall I say because advice is a tricky thing but okay. words of encouragement I think this is a good question and you know I have just just as you said that you were learning me even though you know me as your daughter you're, you're learning what you're learning Tyra as she's learning herself you're learning next bed as, as you know those are emerging I'm learning about you too there's parts of your life that I kind of have had to separate the same with my father. I have to separate the title of you're my mother and recognize that you have a life of your own and what that means for you, what you've gone through, your personal journey, the mud that you've come up out of. You know, I have to recognize that as well and see you as a full person and remove the title and the ownership of you're my mother, you know, that as well. Like, you know, 
there is no ownership. Again, I recognize that you are your own entity, your own being, your own person, and you too are evolving, and I'm learning as you are growing as well. Um, so I think it's a shared like a reciprocation of respect and honor that even though we have this relationship of mother and daughter, you are who you are, I am who I am, and trusting that you have instilled in me the proper things that I need to sustain my life and move forward and become an adult and a woman and vice versa, that you have all the tools that you need to continue to evolve and to you know, yourself as a woman and how you want your life to go and recognizing that um, you exist outside of me. Right. So, you know, that is so important for me right now in the space that I'm at is that you exist outside of me. It is very, very much important for me that you live out all fantasy, dream, whatever you need to for yourself. So that way your wholeness is there as well. Correct. Um, so I think that is important and not thinking about what you've done to me. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, you know, I don't, I don't think that you've done anything to me. Maybe you've done things for me, but um, I think that a part of that is also, again, taking ownership for your own self, where that right. you don't give your power to somebody else to say that they did something to you because you have recognition of your own faculty, your own power, your own essence, where the, they may have influenced you, but the choice to do becomes yours. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's it. I um, I really appreciate you <laughs> initiating this conversation, or our, shall I say, a shared conversation, because we talk all the time. So thank you for um, initiating this shared conversation to be given to other people. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do the things that you asked me to do and say that if anybody has any commentary or uh, questions or would like to hear anything additional, that you can email me at soultreehealth at gmail.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at soultree underscore healing. And uh, my mama is Lady One of Valor on Instagram too if you want to she's not on there all the time but if you want to talk her you know go ahead and do so um but yeah thank you all for joining me today and hanging out and listening to this extensive conversation I hope that it serves you in some purpose and, and, and give, gave you something and for those of you that may be in a moment of depression especially with you know, not being able to go outside or, you know, whatever whatever uh, confines are available to you or, or put on you because of this uh, corona situation right now, you know, don't be afraid to express yourself. And I hope that you find people that allow you to be vulnerable and understand you and are there to uplift you. And to others that may know of someone that is in that position, please, you know, be there, be patient, be available, provide a listening ear, and just work and do your best to make that person feel comfortable and comforted. Um, Mommy, you gonna say something? Yes, please do, do not judge. Provide them a place that they feel safe and unjudged. That's critical if someone's going through 
a depression or a downtime or alone time or uncertainties. Um, it's just to listen without judgment. And if you find that you're creating judgment around their story or what they're speaking, then I would just say to step back, to breathe, and to just give them a moment and take a moment yourself, but try to be supportive without a judging ear. Supportive, supportive with compassion. Correct. So yeah, thank you all for listening. Be well, enjoy the rest of the month and the rest of the year. And until the next time, we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.